the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one on round one this morning, Scott Reed is here, political commentator, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin, Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers and sitting in this week on the afternoon show, The Rush. Jerry Agar is here from The Jerry Agar Show. Advisor to everyone. Advisor to everyone, indeed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's begin actually with, uh, Jerry, this story's got you written all over it. A uh, Toronto man who's facing multiple counts of attempted murder for an alleged drive-by shooting was given bail and turned over to his parents. He's 21 years old by a judge. And now another judge ordered him back into the courtroom and said, this is not a good idea. I don't even think your parents take this seriously and you barely have a relationship. And by the way, you're 21 years old. And oh yeah, you tried to kill five people, allegedly. Unbelievable that he got bail in the first place. Um, it, it is somewhat to my surprise that another judge said, no, he shouldn't have got bail because, you know, it seems like everybody gets it. Like it's a turnstile system that we have here, but if the allegation and the evidence is strong enough that uh, this guy tried to randomly, is what uh, I understand, kill five people, fortunately he didn't kill anybody, but uh, it's it's attempted murder. I mean, that, that he just automatically got bail is outrageous, and I, I, I'm somewhat encouraged by the fact that another judge said uh, no. Yeah, because judges rarely contradict each other. I mean, yeah. aside from overturning rulings, which is their job, they rarely pick five with each other. Uh, Scott Reed, uh, your thoughts on this one? Because I understand why some people get bail. This offense happened last April. This guy's trial won't happen until next fall. So if it was a less serious affair, and if there was a chance that he might not actually even be convicted, that's a long time to spend in remand. But at the same time, if you shoot five people, I think you probably have to stay behind bars for a while. Yeah. And I mean, you know, contrary to you know, what we're all sort of, you know, suggesting, I think the default position in our judicial system is that if you commit attempted murder, allegedly, um, then you are going to stay uh, without bail. And and this, I think, is a story about what's right about judges and what's wrong and worrying about the justice of the peace system, because it wasn't another judge that he overturned. It was a justice of the peace. And, you know, that system's always been a little bit of a weird idiosyncrasy. And, you know, like it... I guess relieve some pressure on judicial system, which is obviously strapped administratively. But, you know, you do worry you get people with inexact experience saying, oh, OK, well, I'll make a ruling. And as this demonstrates, some of these rulings and determinations are really important. So you'd like to know that maybe, uh, you know, the government of Ontario and other governments, I'm not just blaming it on this particular government, um, you know, are, are, are making certain that those justices are well-trained, that they know what they're doing, and that they make sensible decisions. Deb Hutton, we end up in a lot of debates about bail reform. I thought this was something the feds were supposed to have pulled off like three, four years ago. Yeah, well, let, let's just key in on, on Scott's point, which is this is not a judge and a judge. It's a justice of the peace and a judge. And as someone who has been involved in appointing justices of the peace, I should say that they should not be dealing with people who have committed, for example, gun offenses, allegedly. This is ridiculous. You don't even have to be a lawyer to be a justice of the peace. You need to be well connected with the government of the day. I actually said to my husband this morning, is it somebody we know as the JP? Because <laughs> chances are we do. That is a huge problem. As Scott says, it's one of the idiosyncrasies of our system. But when we are granting bail collectively, 
with someone who has never sat a day in a law course, let alone is a licensed lawyer, we need to rethink what kind of cases go to JPs, what JPs can do to handle um, part of our justice system to take the burden off courts. But this is not one of those things, and it's time for a rethink. Deb, are you saying that it could, in fact, as the Justice of the Peace, be kind of a patronage appointment? Yes, not kind of, Jerry. Sure. Most <laughs> like judge you do have to go patronage appointments. Flat out are. Yeah. Yeah, but at least, at least if you are a judge, you've had some sort of legal training and background. JPs, you do not have to have a single day of legal training. You get some of that after the fact as you go through the process, and it weeds out maybe a slim number. But I don't even know somebody that was put forward as a JP and didn't make it. And I'm telling you, they should not be presiding over issues like this. On Twitter this morning, it's just the one feed platform I was on before starting the show. People were losing their minds. I swear every single other posting was video of our old friend David Menzies uh, being manhandled by some guys who identified themselves as police officers when he tried to question Christia Freeland, the finance minister. And Scott Reed, I'll start with you. You've had to work the rope line and get politicians in and out of buildings. Uh, sometimes journalists can be pests, and David Menzies is a routine pest. As a matter of fact, he's been prevented from attending some political events, but I don't see any assault in there. And the officer keeps saying you're under arrest for assault. Uh, yeah, me either. But, you know, let's define our terms here. Um, I think you got an overzealous police officer here. Um, and I can understand that, you know, this is a guy that causes a lot of irritation. But if our objection is that... Um, as long as our objection is, wait a second, he did not appear to be causing assault, and that would apply to all of us, then fine. If we're saying, hang on a second, he's afforded special privileges because he's a, uh, a journalist, he's not. He's not a journalist. Rebel News is a website. They're not media. They don't operate according to objective editorial standards. And, you know, we do. And none of us on this call are, are actual journalists, I would argue. I would say we're all commentators. But Bell Media has editorial practices and standards. Rebel doesn't. But I agree with your broad point, which is anyone should be able to go up and ask a point as long as they're not confrontational and physical, um, you know, with the cabinet minister. And it looks to me like the police officer was overzealous. Yeah, Deb. I didn't see uh, Menzies touch the minister, and I did see these officers kind of manhandling him and pushing him aside. If they had simply moved in to get between him and the minister and get her to a car, then I would think that'd be fine. But I think they were overdoing it. Yeah, the problem I have just with the content here is that there's a piece of video that you don't see. It focuses on uh, the minister actually deking to the her right and heading to the car. And it misses a little bit of what happens between the officer and Menzi. So I think we have to be careful because I don't think we saw the whole fact. However, on the broader point, uh, I agree with Scott on this. But I also want to say, let's not martyr this guy because that's what he wants. They're already fundraising, you know, I don't know, support for David or free David or whatever the heck it is. The guy ultimately wasn't charged. Was the cop probably overzealous? Maybe. Can't say 100%. But my bigger point is 
We're giving him what he wants, so let's not talk about it. Yeah, David has always loved playing the victim. I've known him for 20 years. Uh, Jerry? Oh, I think this is a lot worse than you guys are making it. I think that there wasn't uh, an, uh, an allegation here that uh, he assaulted Christopher Freeland. If you watch very carefully at the beginning, what is happening is David Manzies is walking down the sidewalk trying to ask a question to Christopher Freeland, which every, every media outlet does that sort of thing. Uh, if, you, if you see somebody like that on the street and can get a question in, you're going to do it. The police officer posts himself up like a basketball player so that just out of his line of sight, Menzies, as he proceeds down the sidewalk, walk talking to Freeland bumps into the police officer the officer is going after him for assaulting a police officer not Christian Freeland this was something this was a setup by that uh, police officer I think it's outrageous and I think it doesn't it, it shouldn't matter it's irrelevant that it's David Menzies it's irrelevant that it's a rebel if you won't defend in a circumstance like that the people with whom you disagree then who's there to defend you I'm Sorry, Deb, I heard an intake of breath. Were you going to well, throw something else out? <laughs> well, I was just going to say to Jerry, but there is a piece that we don't see, Jerry, and that's what always makes me a little suspicious. So we see him bump into the officer, yes, who I believed was blocking Menzies from getting Freeland to the car, which I think is appropriate. But it's more concerning for me that we don't see what happens in those few seconds after the camera goes to Freeland, not to David. That was my only point in terms of not knowing what happened. William Nylander signing the richest deal in Maple Leafs history. I know, Scott, you're a, a hockey fan, so what do you make of this? I'm, I'm boggled at the dollar figures. We were going over this on the morning brief this morning with Tim Hudak in all sport, I mean, collectively. And this is just one guy who I think got a signing bonus of $69 million. Well, I mean, look, the guy's been producing numbers, and this is the, you know, the relative compensation scale that folks get in this uh, profession. Yeah. Um, but... You know, like I just look at it as a hockey fan and I go, how is this sustainable? Like if you put so many eggs in the Marner, Matthews, uh, Nylander basket, um, what's left to prop up that blue line? How about a goalie? The Leafs haven't had a goalie since 1969, for Pete's sake. So, I, you know, I, I go, I I recognize that Treleving is in a no-win situation. He's going to have to pay up. But I kept hearing guys like Matty Cause yesterday saying, this is a player-friendly contract. And holy catfish, is it ever a player-friendly contract? And the goalie to whom you were referring, Johnny Bauer? Yes. Okay, just checking. Johnny Bauer, I mean, we don't have to get too deep into the trivia, but was the tiniest goalie ever, and he was already in his mid to late 40s by the time they won the Cup. Jerry. Well, uh, listen, if you can get somebody to pay you a huge amount of money, you should take the money. That's all I have yeah. to say about that. Yeah, Deb Hutton, I don't begrudge anybody their earnings if they actually deliver on it. And that's why, you know, whenever people complain, why do people get paid all this money just to pretend to be somebody else on a camera? Because the producer thinks they're going to make money. Well, and so uh, Scott mentioned Matt Cause. I had him on the rush yesterday afternoon because I know nothing about this stuff as it relates to hockey. And I said, so will it actually have an impact? And his view was no. Like, they still don't have a great defense. Scott spoke about goalies, but this will not get us closer to a cup unless, you know, weird and amazing things happen. Okay. Well, was it like, was it a good goalie? I'm sorry, go. No. 
Jeez. Oh, my God. Okay, we're going to have to stop the show completely. When I was a kid growing up in Prince Edward County, I wanted to be Ken Dryden. All the kids in my neighborhood wanted to be Mike Palmatier. One of them is a legend. One of them is like an asterisk only in the history of Toronto. Good grief. And one of them's a liberal. No wonder you wanted to be Ken Dryden. He's a very, very exactly. fine That's what writer. started it all. Okay, we're almost at a racetrack here. Maybe we can just enjoy this because I don't know if anybody's going to have anything to say about it. Jimmy Kimmel unleashing on Aaron Rodgers on his show last night, a seven-minute monologue because Aaron Rodgers said on another show that Jimmy Kimmel was on the list of presumed pedophiles with the Jeffrey Epstein file. Aaron Rodgers has a very high opinion of himself. Because he had success on the football field, he believes himself to be an extraordinary being. He genuinely thinks that because God gave him the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. The idea that his brain is just average is unfathomable to him. We learned during COVID, somehow he knows more about science than scientists. A guy who went to community college, then got into Cal on a football scholarship and didn't graduate, someone who never spent a minute studying the human body is an expert in the field of immunology. He just put on a he put on a magic helmet and he, that G made him a genius. It's Jerry oversensitive or uh, delightful undoing. Well, maybe a little bit of both, although if you had been accused of possibly involved in uh, sex with underage people, uh, you'd be, want to defend yourself. I think one of the better jokes that he had in that was when he talked about Aaron Rodgers' education. He only once ever got two A's on a report card, and they were the two A's in Aaron. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you, everybody. Deb Hutton, Jerry Agar, and Scott Reed. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.